Turn to John chapter 10. That's where we're going to be today, John chapter 10. We continue in the I Am series today. You get two. You get two today. In John 10, Jesus claims that he's the gate, and Jesus claims that he's the good shepherd. So this message today is entitled, The Gate and Good Shepherd. Something you'll notice in this passage, it's something Jesus brought out in the first two I Am statements when he was the bread of life and he claims that he's the light of the world. In both of those passages, he claims his divinity. He is God. Period. He's God. And he makes it again here as we break down that he is the gate and the good shepherd. Last week I mentioned a statistic, a survey that was done where a third of evangelicals were saying that Jesus is simply a teacher, but he's not God. Well, they're not clearly looking at his teaching because he's very clear that he carries that divine nature. He is God. In this passage, you'll notice they question him. They say, you're a mere man. You can see that Jesus was telling them and it just wasn't sinking in. But please, one thing to take away in the last three weeks or so as we've been going through this series, Jesus is very much God. He is divine. Please understand that. I feel like I have to emphasize that when you hear a report of these evangelicals saying that he was just a teacher. I don't want that to be in my own congregation, that people walk out of here going, you know, I don't really know. Is he God? Is he not? He is. According to his very words, he is God. All right, John chapter 10. We're going to pray as we believe God speaks to us through his word. And so let's take a moment here to just invite the Spirit to guide us and lead us as we walk through this passage. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the ministry and the power of the Holy Spirit. And we invite you to just come and minister into our hearts and lives. Speak to us through your word. And Father, I ask for a blessing as I deliver this message you've placed upon my heart to share. Lord, help me as I share these words. We pray over our children's ministry right now, from nursery through sixth grade. Bless those kids. Bless those teachers, volunteers, and staff. We ask, Lord, for your anointing and grace upon them at this time. We thank you, Lord, for this day. We come to you to hear from you. And we ask that you'd speak powerfully into our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bibles, John 10, I'm going to start in verse 1. This is Jesus speaking. He says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his sheep he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And after he's gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. 
Those who heard Jesus use this illustration didn't understand what he meant, so he explained it to them. I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. And all who came before me were thieves and robbers. But the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. And those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pastures. And the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. And my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. And a hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me. Just as my father knows me and I know the father, so I sacrifice my life for the sheep. I have other sheep too that are not in this sheepfold. Now Jesus is referring to the Gentiles. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice and there will be one flock with one shepherd. The Father loves me because I sacrificed my life so I may take it back again. And no one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily. For I have the authority to lay it down when I want to and also to take it up again. For this is what my Father has commanded. When he said these things, the people were again divided in their opinions about him. Some said, he's demon-possessed and out of his mind. Why listen to a man like that? And others said, This doesn't sound like a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? It was now winter, and Jesus was in Jerusalem at the time of Hanukkah, the festival of dedication. And he was in the temple walking through a section known as Solomon's Colonnade. And the people surrounded him and asked, How long are you going to keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Time out. The last two weeks, Jesus has been telling them that he is the Messiah. He is God, and he's the Son of God. Verse 25, Jesus replied, I've already told you, and you don't believe me. The proof is the work I do in my Father's name, but you don't believe me because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. Another time out. How many parents have ever had that conversation with their child? There's a difference between hearing and listening. Okay? Or have you ever got face-to-face -face with your child? I said, I need you to listen. Okay? Right after Jesus says, I've been telling you this, he then says, you're not my sheep. Then he says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life 
and they will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me, for my Father has given them to me, and he is more powerful than anyone else. No one can snatch them from the Father's hand. The Father and I are one. Once again, the people picked up stones to kill him, and Jesus said, At my Father's direction I have done many good works. For which one are you going to stone me? And they replied, We're stoning you not for any good works, but for blasphemy. You, a mere man, claim to be God. Jesus replied, It is written in your own scriptures that God said to certain leaders of the people, I say, you are gods, and you know that the scriptures cannot be altered. So if those people who received God's message were called gods, why do you call it blasphemy when I say I am the Son of God? After all, the Father set me apart and sent me into the world. Don't believe me unless I carry out my Father's work. But if I do His work, believe in the evidence of the miraculous works I have done, even if you don't believe me. Then you will know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. Now, once again, they tried to arrest Him, but He got away and left them. And He went beyond the Jordan River near the place where John was first baptizing and stayed there a while. And many followed Him. John didn't perform miraculous signs, they remarked to one another, but everything he said about this man has come true. And many who were there believed in Jesus. All right, let's start breaking this down. So I emphasized Jesus' divinity. We've all established that. I don't need to unpack that any further. I just want you to understand he is God. But as I walk through now these two statements, when he says, I am the gate, maybe other translations say, I am the door, I want to take a little bit of time on him being the gate. And my first point with that is, in verse 9, Jesus tells them plainly, he is the only access point to salvation. He is the only access point. He says, those who come through me will be saved. He's the gate. He's the only way in. The only way you can get in is by putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and the work that he did on the cross to pay the penalty and the price for your sin and my sin. We have to come through Jesus. He is the gate. We talked about this in Sunday school. You can't try to jump over some other way to get in. A lot of people think we can earn our way in. I've been a fairly good person, so surely I'll be in heaven. Well, not if you didn't enter by the gate of Jesus Christ. You won't be there. He is the only access point to salvation. Jesus is not just one route to the gate. There's a lot of religions and different faiths that exist. And a variety of people think, well, whatever suits you, I'm okay with that. Whatever suits me, I'm okay with that. Let's all just coexist, get along, sing kumbaya. But this sort of confronts you. Because if you don't have Jesus in your life, it's not so kumbaya. There's a day coming when you will stand before him, and whether or not you have him in your life will affect the rest of your eternity. 
He's not just one route. He is the route. He is the gate. The second thing to note is in verses 9 and 10, Jesus gives blessing, he gives protection, and he gives life. He gives life. He says in verse 9, my sheep will come and go freely. There's a freedom that's found in Jesus. People that walk around without Christ in their life, they're in chains. They're in the bondage of sin, but when Christ becomes a part of the picture, you're set free, you're liberated, and you can come and go freely, and you'll find good pastures. Isn't that great? Good pastures. I think it's our tendency sometimes to always think that the grass is greener on the other side. Right? If circumstances weren't going this way in my life, things would be just a little bit better. If I just left this situation and fled it, then maybe this next situation will go better. And some people jump around like that from circumstance to circumstances. As soon as it gets bad, they bail because grass is greener on the other side. Listen, if Christ is in your life, your own pasture can be good. The other thing is, is I'm looking forward to heaven. I don't know about you. But sometimes we can look so forward to heaven that we forget about what God wants to do in the pasture between when you got saved and when you enter into his kingdom. What are you doing with that? Is there green, good pasture that you're working in? God gives us blessing, protection, and life. He says that he gives a purpose that's rich and satisfying. I like that word, satisfying. Other translations says he gives life abundantly. But I love that word, satisfying, because here's the thing. There's people that walk all around, and if they don't have Christ in their life, they're looking for all of these things that would truly satisfy. And they're looking in all the wrong places. Name a substance. Name a bad relationship where Christ is not a part of the picture, you know? Name their pursuit of success and, and the where they work and their vocation. They throw everything into that, but for some reason they still feel empty. It's because Christ is missing. Jesus brings a rich and satisfying life. In that same context, Jesus mentions that Satan steals, kills, and destroys. Satan is a very real presence, a very real individual that wants to destroy your life. If you don't know that, you need to know that now. He wants to absolutely take you down. He wants to destroy your life, wants to destroy your joy, wants to destroy your marriage, wants to destroy anything you want to do for the Lord. He is out seeking to devour So you think we've got a very real enemy. We transition now to the fact that we have a good shepherd who can guide us in life, even in the midst of the turmoil, even in the midst of the fact that we have an enemy that wants to take us out and that we live in a world that is cursed by sin. Unlike Western shepherds who drive the sheep from side or behind using sheepdogs, Near Eastern shepherds lead their flocks using their voice to call them along. 
That's such a neat picture of the relationship between the master and the disciple is that he speaks and the sheep follow. The sheep go where his voice is. I read at the beginning Psalm 23. What a picture of this shepherd. He's my shepherd. I shall not want. Just the simple fact to know that he's my shepherd should bring a peace into your life and not leave you wanting for more. He is all that you need. And he makes you to lie down in green pastures. He restores your soul. And I like this. His rod and his staff, they comfort me. If you've ever seen a shepherd's staff, there's that, if you will, the hook on the end, right? That's those moments where we can wander around a little bit. How many of you have ever wandered before? Okay, the shepherd would use that to hook them in the neck, if you will, and just kind of bring them back in. Get them back in where they're supposed to be. Keep them away from things that are harmful and dangerous and not of his desire. His rod and his staff comfort. It's good to know that he's there to guide us whenever we're going astray. And some people might look and say, well, that rod that he has is a rod of discipline. You know, you've heard the... Spare the rod, spoil the child. If you've ever heard that before, you think in Hebrews it says that if God doesn't discipline you, it's like your illegitimate children. If you're truly a child of God, his discipline will happen in your life. But some people think, well, he's just going to beat me. Here's the deal that rod is for the shepherd to beat the enemy that comes to your doorstep. There's a comfort in that. That's what shepherds would use that rod for, is to smack away at anything coming to get the sheep. That's a powerful picture, isn't it? So with Jesus as the good shepherd, I want to give us a few things in understanding who he is as a shepherd. The first is Jesus is a sacrificial Shepherd In verses 11 through 18, he says it several times. He sacrifices his life for the sheep. That's verse 11. Verse 15, I sacrifice my life for the sheep. Verse 15. Also in verse 17, the Lord loves me because I sacrifice my life. 18, I sacrifice it voluntarily. You get the idea. Jesus is a sacrificial shepherd. And there's something so incredibly powerful in that. It makes you want to be a part of his sheepfold. And there's a huge contrast between Jesus and these shepherds, these religious leaders that were doing it for the money, so to speak. They didn't really care about the sheep. It's just kind of go through the motions and we're good to go. But Jesus was there saying, oh, it's so much bigger than that. And I'm going to sacrifice my life for the sheep. And believe me, this passage stared me right in the face this week. You think about these Old Testament religious leaders and even these leaders here that we see in the Gospels that really don't care about the sheep. Well, today, God places little mini shepherds, if you will, to care for his flock. 
And a passage like this, are you a sacrificial shepherd? I'm accountable to that. It's important for me to love the flock and to do it sacrificially. That's on me. The next thing is that Jesus is a personal shepherd. He's personal. In verses 14 through 15, he says, I'm the good shepherd. I know, I know my own sheep and they know me. Just as my Father knows me and I know the Father. So the New Testament is written in this language, Greek. And that word know in the Greek is ginosko. And if you look at what that word means, it is a first-hand, personal, experiential knowing. If you remember Josh Denhart, his message about the difference between knowing and knowing, and he said the epinosis, we learn from the experiential knowledge that we have. This is similar to that, but it's a different word. And it's that we should have a first-hand relationship with God. He's designed us for that. With the capacity to have a relationship with Him. This is the deepest sense of the word know. It's very, very intimate, very close. We talked in Sunday school that a lot of us, we have the capacity, a limited capacity, to probably know about five people. I mean, to truly know. Okay, And most of those individuals are right in our own home. We know them. If you think about that, whoever's in your five, you can probably think through that right now. Jesus needs to be number one. All the spouses, you need to know Jesus more than you know your spouse. Parents and kids, you need to know Jesus more than you know your mom or dad or more than you know your kids. He has to be number one. That's the kind of relationship that God has designed. He knows them, and they know him in the deepest sense of that word. You think about how tender and compassionate that is, that God knows us so much that even when we wander, you see this in Luke 15, going after the lost sheep, leaving the 99 to go after that one. That's how much God desires that relationship, to know his creation, to know them. He's a personal shepherd. My last point is this. Jesus is a trustworthy shepherd. He's trustworthy. Notice he didn't say, I am a shepherd. He says, I am the good shepherd. That means you can trust him. The church I grew up in, we would always say, God is good all the time, all the time. God is good, even when my circumstances aren't, even when I'm walking through something that is not good. The one who's with me shepherding my life, he is good, and you can trust him. He's trustworthy. 
He says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. And he says, no one can snatch them away. So to know that that protection is there, you can trust that God will take care of you. What an assurance to follow a trustworthy shepherd. As we close, I want to give you a little illustration, a little story. It might seem a little ridiculous, but I'm going to give it to you because I think it fits. So kind of evening routine for bedtime for our little guy Judah. Popcorn. Yeah. An orange, some water, and then milk. Okay. That's a good bedtime snack, isn't it? So he was asking for an orange one night, and we're in the living room where there's light, but we had the dining room and the kitchen lights off, and I would like an orange, he said. And both Brady and I said, well, you can go get it. I mean, it's at a place where he could reach it if he actually did this on his own. And so he goes, but I'm scared. And sometimes when you get that with a four-year-old, you're like, are you just saying that so mom and dad get up and go get this orange? Or are you legitimately scared? And so I said, well, it'll be all right. I said, i tell you what. I said, when you walk from the living room to the refrigerator and you come back, that whole time, I'm just going to talk to you. And we'll just keep talking to each other. So that way you know that we're still here and that you're safe. And so off he goes. And as he's going, he said, Judah, I'm still here. I'm still with you. And just assuring him with comments like that. And back he runs into the living room with his orange. And then Brady goes, I suppose that's going to be in a sermon sometime, huh? <laughs> and I said, yeah, actually it probably will. What a blessing it is to hear the voice of God. Because there's times in our life where it's going to be dark. And the pasture is not so great. But when you hear the voice of the Lord, you can work your way through that. He's a good shepherd. You can trust him. As we close this message today, I just simply ask a few questions. The first one is, how is the Holy Spirit speaking to you today? Is there something that God has pressed upon your heart as I've been sharing? Another question here is, are you in God's sheepfold? That's a very important question. Have you entered in through the gate, Jesus Christ? That is the only way into his sheepfold. Another one for us is, are you listening to God's voice? Part of listening to God's voice and following him means you're going to be doing ministry. There's going to be things that are flowing out of your life. And Jesus emphasizes this in Matthew 25 when he says there'll be people who are taking care of those who are hungry, thirsty, they need clothes, people that need to visit, people that are sick, people that are in prisons. When you do ministry, you're like sheep. But if you're not meeting these individuals and their needs... You're like goats. And there's coming a day where I'm going to separate those two kinds of people. 
people that are truly doing ministry and people that aren't doing anything at all. What are you doing between when you entered the gate and that relationship with Christ and when you enter the gates of heaven? There's a window where you can invest in people's lives so that they might come to know the Good Shepherd. Will you pray with me as we close? Heavenly Father, I thank you that you're speaking into our lives. Help us to listen to your voice. Whatever it is that you might be pressing upon our hearts at this time, help us to lean in. Lord, for those who are followers, I pray that we would truly engage and invest in people's lives so that they might come to know you, the Good Shepherd. Help us to listen to your voice. And not all the voices in our culture, but to dial in on your voice alone. Perhaps there's someone listening right now that if I asked you, are you in God's sheepfold, you wouldn't really know what to answer. I want you to leave this service today with a very clear understanding that he wants to shepherd your life and that he's inviting you in to truly know him and have that relationship that he's designed you for. If you desire to enter in by the gate of Jesus Christ, I want to lead you in a prayer. Pray with me in your heart. Simply say, Jesus, today I surrender my life. I realize that I'm a sinner and that I need to ask for forgiveness. Please forgive me. Today I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of my sin. And I ask that you would help me to live for you, to listen to your voice, and to follow you. Thank you for this gift of salvation for receiving me into your sheepfold. Today I receive this by grace through faith in the good shepherd of my life. We thank you for this. In Jesus' name, amen. Real quick, if there's anybody today that prayed that prayer of salvation to receive Jesus into your life, I just want to ask you to do just a, a simple step. Please come to our prayer team. They'll be up here in the front. Or come to one of the pastors here, myself, Pastor Lance, or Pastor Paul, and say, today I prayed that prayer with you. 
We also have a resource for you. It's called Now What? It's designed to help you walk in the next steps of your spiritual journey. And those are available at our welcome desk with a free Bible. And for those that are watching online, if you follow that link you see on the screen, that'll get you to an electronic version of that and you can request a free Bible on that webpage as well. But we want to help people walk in this relationship with Jesus Christ. That's our mission here at Faith, helping people grow in their relationship with Christ. And if that was you today, we want to help you take those next steps, okay?